And if you take something that you have a natural talent for, um, and you combine that with purposeful practice so that you develop the skill, now that's how you become world-class. But you absolutely have to have both. But as far as a growth mindset is concerned, it really has nothing to do with being world-class. A growth mindset basically says that I'm not fixed with what I was born with. I can absolutely make improvements and learn more and get more skills and practice, and that is 100% true. Your inner voice has been drowned out by the noise around you, but you've always had a deep desire to make a difference. And now you're ready to step into your greatness and develop the identity you need to build towards your ultimate goal. Welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. Making the world a better place by unleashing human potential will help you create your own reality by increasing your self-awareness, cultivating an unstoppable mindset, and finally finding the passion, purpose, and true self so that you can live the life you are always destined to live. Now, welcome your host, a lifelong learner and growth mindset savant, a former architect turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Tibor Nagy. What is up, Mindset Nation? Welcome back to the Mindset Horizon podcast. I'm immensely grateful for each and every one of you who tuned into this podcast today, the Mindset Horizon podcast. And if you feel like you're getting value out of these conversations, I would highly encourage you to join the Mindset Nation Facebook group, a global community of Mindset Horizon, where I'm there every single day to support you, to answer your questions, either if it's connected to the podcast episode topics or if it's connected to your goals and aspirations in life and business i am there to support you for free every single day on top of all that i go live every thursday in the facebook group where i interview one of our community members we talk about mindset personal development and entrepreneurship but more importantly i wanted to interview the members of the mindset nation community so that we can get to know each other even more you can join the community at mindsethorizon.com forward slash mindset nation. Once again, mindsethorizon.com forward slash mindset nation, or simply go to our website, mindsethorizon.com. And in the main menu on the top of the site, you will find a button that says mindset nation. And there you can join the global community of like-minded listeners. I'm super excited to welcome you and connect with you in the Facebook group. And now let me introduce today's guest. So my guest today is Ellen Stein Jr., who teaches proven strategies to improve organizational performance, create effective leadership, increase team cohesion and collaboration, and develop winning mindsets, rituals, and routines. A successful business owner and veteran basketball performance coach, he spent 15 years working with the highest performing athletes on the planet, including NBA superstars Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, and Kobe Bryant. In his corporate keynote programs and workshops, Alan reveals how to utilize the same approaches in business that elite athletes use to perform at a world-class level. He delivers practical lessons that can be implemented immediately. His clients include American Express, Pepsi, Sebra, Starbucks, Under Armour, UGG, and numerous college athletic programs. At the beginning of today's episode, we talk about Ellen's personal story and entrepreneurial journey. In the middle, we talk about the high-performance principles that elite athletes use to raise their game and get to the top and how you can implement these principles in business. 
Closer to the end, we discuss strategies to nurture positive self-talk, aka develop an empowering mindset, and how to find your strengths, utilize them, and become world-class. In the end, Ellen recommends amazing books to the listeners. If you want to find out more about today's guest, then check out the free resources, book recommendations, and detailed show notes. Simply head over to our website, mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast. That's again, mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast. You can also use the search bar on our website where you can simply type in Ellen Stein Jr. to find the episode's show notes page. And so Mindset Nation, without any further ado, let's welcome today's guest. Hi, Ellen, and welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. Well, hi, it's so great to connect with you. We're going to have a fun chat. Yeah, I'm super excited to have this conversation with you today. We connected through one of my previous guests, Dr. Sindra Kampoff. She was also uh, amazing on the show. We talked a lot about mindset and high performance, and and I'm excited to to you know tap into your to your uh, knowledge today and and discover your mindset as well. But uh, before we dive into exciting topics, I would like to start with your story and. I wanted to ask you about your passion. So what are you most passionate about today? What do you do and how you got there? Well, I, I think for for what would be most interesting to your listeners, my main passion certainly has always been uh, the game of basketball uh, and performance in general. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to sound very narrow-minded. I mean, I'm incredibly passionate about being a father. I have three young children. You know, I'm, I'm passionate about self-development. I'm passionate about life and filling other people's buckets. But I think what's most germane to our conversation is basketball and the role that that's played in my life. And, and I bring that up because I fell in love with the game of basketball at a very young age, was probably four or five years old. And here I am in my mid-40s now, four decades later, and basketball is still a major pillar in my life. And it's, it's opened a lot of doors for me. It's, it's allowed me to travel the world and have some amazing experiences. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's brought some special people into my life. So, uh, even though now I'm technically a, a corporate keynote speaker and an author, everything I do runs through the lens of being a former basketball player and basketball performance coach. The reason why I wanted to start with passion is because well, one of the reasons is you talk about passion in your book, which is uh, raise your Graham high, high performance secrets from the best of the best. And um, passion is is a topic, you know, a lot of people talk about passion nowadays. So I'm just wondering what is passion for you and how does someone cultivate passion? You know, passion can be a lot of things. I mean, uh, passion can be something that that motivates you and inspires you. Uh, passion can be what you really feel like you're called to do. You know, your your why, as Simon Sinek would say, um, passion is something that you thoroughly enjoy doing. You know, there's kind of that old adage that, you know, figure out whatever you do. Uh, if money wasn't an issue, you know, what would you do for free? And that's mm. probably something you're passionate about. Um, wow. I learned at a very early age, and I think this is incredibly helpful for entrepreneurs and, and really anybody of any age, is the sooner you can figure out what you're passionate about, what you truly love to do, mm. and then find what you're pretty good at, where your natural talents lie, and then find where, find where those two points intersect. And wherever your passion intersects with your talent uh, or what you love to do intersects with what you're pretty good at. Uh, that's your strength zone. And and the more time you can spend in that strength zone, 
Uh, certainly you'll raise your performance and raise your game uh, and have more success and significance, but equally important, you'll also be happier and more fulfilled. You know, when we do the things we're passionate about and we do things that we're good at, you know, that's the sweet spot for finding happiness and fulfillment. That's really interesting because uh, just for you to know, I used to work as an architect. And when I was thinking about starting something on my own, I was like, at that time, I was looking for things that I'm I'm passionate or I would say interested about. And it turned out that it, for me, it was learning. So I would say it was development, personal and professional or any kind of development because you know, I did, uh, I used to do exercise, used to go to the gym, different sports. Uh-huh. And um, I was, you know, passionate about these things, like developing myself in, in different, um, you know, fields. I mean, mentally and physically. And and it's interesting because it, there was not much connection to architecture or, or, you know, anyway. So what I wanted to ask you is you also transitioned um, from being a basketball performance coach to keynote speaking and becoming an author. So why did you do that? And how was this journey unfolding for you? If we rewind the tape, so basketball, mm-hmm. being a player was always my number one driving passion. And, and I was a good enough high school player to play down at uh, Elon College. It's now Elon University uh, in North Carolina here in the States. Mm-hmm. And uh, while preparing for college and, and even during college, <clears throat> I started to develop uh, an equal love for the performance side of the game, Uh, the strength, the conditioning, the fitness, the nutrition, the mindset, you know, all the different ways that I could actually improve and elevate myself as a player. Uh, So when I graduated college and it was clear that my formal playing days were over, um, I decided to combine my original passion with basketball with my newfound passion of performance training. So right out of college, decided to become a basketball performance coach. And mm-hmm. uh, I did that for almost 20 years, specialized mostly at the high school age level, um, but had an opportunity to work with two programs here in the Washington, D.C. area uh, that have produced dozens of current NBA players. So they were really elite level programs. Uh, and then that allowed me to do some contracting work uh, with Nike and Jordan Brand and USA Basketball and, and different groups. Uh, so I had a really unique journey where I was able to work with some amazing players before they made it to the NBA. And then I was able to work some events uh, and observe and work alongside players that were already established in the NBA. Uh, So I really got to see firsthand what it takes to become elite and then what it takes to stay elite and Mm -hmm. really enjoyed every minute of that and, and had, you know, not only an opportunity to work with some great players, but had an opportunity to be mentored by some phenomenal coaches and people that really had a, Uh, a profound impact on my life. And uh, about four or five years ago, I decided to take everything that I had learned through the game of basketball and step outside of the four walls of the gym and show folks how to apply those same strategies and disciplines and lessons to business, uh, to entrepreneurship, to leadership, you know, ways they can improve their communication and accountability and build strong teams and improve cohesion And that was why I decided uh, to become a speaker and an author. Um, Those were both things that I had always enjoyed doing. Uh, I enjoyed presenting and speaking uh, in my my 
performance career, you know, was always doing that in front of players and coaches. Uh, but I was still used to the to being in front of people and speaking. And I'd always enjoyed the craft of writing. I had written a weekly blog, you know, for seven or eight years and and just decided uh, that it was kind of time to level up and to make a change and to take on a new challenge. So even though everything I do with corporate groups now and with entrepreneurs now is still through that lens of being a basketball performance coach, uh, now uh, I just show folks how to raise their game in every area of their life. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Uh, first of all, congratulations. And I'm just wondering because I think about uh, you know people who might be listening to this podcast aspiring thought leaders, and they might want to become keynote speakers or authors. Was it a easy ride, so to speak, this transition for you? Did you have difficulties or challenges along the way? Or what advice would you give to those who might, who might want to become a keynote speaker today? For the most part, it was a pretty seamless transition. And mm-hmm. you know, um, just because I don't really feel like I, I upended and changed everything in my life. Really, all that I considered do, all that I, you know, looking back, all that I really did was I just switched my audience. You know, mm-hmm. I've always been about service. I've always been about coaching. I've always been about filling people's buckets. And I just went and transitioned from instead of my target audience being uh, youth and high school basketball players and coaches. I just switched gears and pivoted uh, to a new audience of, of folks that were in the corporate world and entrepreneurs. So mm-hmm. I didn't really consider what I did to be much different. Um, it was more of who I was doing it with. So in that regard, uh, I don't think it was as big a challenge as it would have been if mm-hmm. I just completely went into a new uh, industry, a new line of work, a totally new vocation. You know, I'd always been self-employed. I'd, I'd always basically uh, been in a commission-based uh, only business where, you know, yeah. whatever I drum up is, you know, that's my income. Um, so making that leap was also, you know, just something I was used to. Uh, it would have been very different if I was, you know, a, a salaried accountant that worked for a major corporation for 20 years and decided to leave my salary and leave my benefits and leave my nine to five and jump in headfirst to being a speaker and an author, I think that would have proven to be much more challenging. Uh, so for me, it was really just kind of a shift. Um, but with that said, of, of course, I mean, it wasn't always smooth sailing. There were absolutely challenges, uh, which is one reason why I have so much respect for entrepreneurs, um, because they're they're constantly navigating challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, they're constantly yeah. having to make pivots and adjustments and and see things that work and do more of those things. And see things that don't work and do less of those things. Um, but, but overall, I would say it was a pretty, pretty pleasurable and seamless transition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the reason why I wanted to you know, ask you about this is because what you've said about entrepreneurs, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and when it comes to mindset, they have different struggles, right? So they have fears, they have negative self-talk, especially when they are starting out and they want to build something from scratch. And uh, that's just a huge part of the game, the mindset part. So if you don't have the right mindset, like you yourself talk and actually, you know, just hold you back and you can feel, you know, negative about things and, 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 and stuff like that. Uh, one of the things I wanted to get back to is, is, is you've mentioned that, you know, when you work with athletes, you know, there were some principles that they utilized to get to the top and you translated these principles into business. So what are some of the principles that we can use or utilize in business that, you know, those athletes utilized in, in their game? 
Well, the number one principle is a concept that I, I learned from Kobe Bryant, uh, wow. arguably the best players to ever play. And, and basically when I asked him what was the secret to his greatness and what was the secret to his success and mastery of his craft, he said it was never getting bored with the basics. And <laughs> wow. that, that always had a strong appreciation and a respect for the fundamentals. And wow. in basketball, that's fairly obvious. That's your footwork. Uh, your shooting mechanics, uh, your ability to handle the ball. Um, but, but it's the same as true in business or in, with entrepreneurship. You know, every person listening to this right now, um, I would highly recommend that you do kind of a, a self audit and you ask yourself, what are the basics that I need for my business to be successful? What are the basic building blocks? Uh, what are the basic skills that if I can master these skills, then I'll create a foundation for me being incredibly successful and significant and really figure out what those things are. Um, you know, for, for most folks in the business world and entrepreneurs, you know, I would say communication is one of those basic skills. Uh, but even within communication, um, you've got to learn how to effectively be an active listener. You know, there's a skill in learning how to ask insightful questions. You know, mm. as an entrepreneur, you should constantly be asking questions of your customers and clients. Uh, you should be constantly asking questions of your team uh, or your contracted workers or, or your partners or your suppliers. You know, constantly asking questions and listening um, is half of communication. And then you also have to get really good at being able to articulate and communicate your message and your vision. And, and you know, many times that's done through spoken word. Uh, sometimes that's done digitally and through writing, you know. Um, so figuring out you know, how to be the most effective communicator. I don't know that I could think of a business uh, or an entrepreneur that wouldn't benefit from that. Mm. So a, a, I love that. Love a, that. You know, a, a, a business owner or an entrepreneur needs to look at communication the same way a basketball player would look at footwork and say, okay, I have to make sure that I'm constantly drilling down on the basics. What do I need to be the most effective speaker and listener possible? And then work on those things routinely. And that's just one example, but I, I recommend folks listening to this. Um, you know, when this recording is over, sit down and take some time to come up with the three or four basics that ultimately will be the most important to your success. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, I love communication. I mean, I, I love that you've mentioned that because that's huge. So especially for me, it was a little bit uh, challenge because of the language and I'm just launching this new podcast. I think I've mentioned it before I hit record. Um, it's called the podcast Interview Mastery, where I actually talk to other podcast hosts about how to become a better communicator, how to ask better questions, how to become a better host, how to conduct better interviews in terms of how can I ask better questions so that I can bring the best out of my guests and I can serve my audience the best. So that's kind of like an art, as you've, as you've said, and communication in general, right? So, um, you know, asking questions when you communicate with, as you've said, with customers uh, and also asking questions from yourself, right? So, like, I think questions are really the answers. If I can ask the right questions from myself as well, I can find, I have a better chance to find the right answer or the answer that I'm looking for. Absolutely. Yeah, that's pretty huge, I would say. So is there anything else connected to these principles? Because that was the basics and you talked about communication. Um, uh, the next, I would say an, another a fundamental truth um, that kind of unites all high performers, whether in sport or business, is 
you want to blend confidence with humility. Mm -hmm. Um, On one end, uh, your confidence will be derived from a few things. Your confidence and self-belief will come from, and you mentioned it earlier perfectly, your self-talk. The way that you speak to yourself uh, are some of the most important words that you'll ever say. And you have to learn how to speak to yourself in a manner um, that will help strengthen your self-belief and your confidence. So instead of constantly being critical and, and cutting yourself down, you know, find ways to empower yourself. Um, but it also comes from demonstrated performance. Confidence comes from doing, not from just sitting around believing that you're going to be successful, but actually getting in the reps during the unseen hours to deserve the chance to be successful. So you can't just sit around thinking, you know, I'm a great communicator. If you're not getting in the reps, if you're not practicing uh, crafting emails, writing blogs, uh, writing copy, uh, holding staff meetings, having one-on-one interviews, I mean, if you're not getting in the reps, then you'll never truly have that confidence. So uh, you want to work to become very confident at what you do, especially as an entrepreneur. I mean, you have to be confident in your product or service. You have to be confident uh, in your service, uh, your ability to have customer service. You have to have confidence in your team and your mission and your vision. You have to have confidence in your business plan and your systems and processes. Uh, So that's vital. However, you want to make sure that that confidence never crosses the line of becoming arrogant or cocky. And you do that by blending in humility. And with humility, you then say, you know, I believe in myself. I'm confident in my abilities, but I'm aware of the fact that I don't know everything. I'm aware of the fact that I can still get better and I want to be very open and coachable. You know, I want to be able to seek out mentors that know more than I do and be open to their wisdom. You know, I want to be open to trying new ways to do things. You know, mm. I've never, I've never appreciated the answer. Well, that's the way it's always been done. Uh, that's one of the reasons that I love entrepreneurs so much. Is you know, almost as a group, they're not satisfied with that answer. Uh, entrepreneurs are always looking to disrupt industries and and try new things and say, hey, you've been doing it this way for thirty years. I'm convinced there's a better way to do it. Uh, to me, that's you know, that's really the the epitome of entrepreneurship. So I think it's really, really important uh, for folks to drill down on the basics, work to deserve the right to be confident, but always remain humble and open and coachable. And if you can do just those handful of things uh, and you surround yourself with really good people, you've got a really nice foundation for being successful. Wow. I love that. And, and, and I love the part humble because, um, the term came to my mind, having an open mind. So basically you're confident, but you still have an open mind. You are coachable. And then you're basically open to learning new things, right? So you're not saying I know everything, which is the, I think the arrogance category, but you are, you have this open mind and, and have this confidence. Well, you know, confidence is a huge topic. And, and sometimes or I would say a lot of times we talk about confidence in the podcast to some extent. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just, I, I feel confidence, something that come and goes. And um, I, I, I like the fact that you've mentioned self-talk because what I've experienced in my life, for example, is self-talk, my, my self-talk, if it's negative, it can really influence my confidence. And um, I was just wondering if you have anything in mind uh, for the listeners to nurture a more positive self-talk? Well, there's a few things you can do. Uh, one, and I know it sounds a little bit contradictory because we're, we're talking about self-talk, but you have to mm-hmm. be very careful 
who you insulate yourself with and the other types of talk that you get. You know, do you surround yourself with people uh, that are filling your bucket? You know, people that are positive and optimistic, uh, people that want to empower you. Uh, now, this doesn't mean they don't challenge you and it doesn't mean they don't hold you accountable. I mean, these people will call you out when you mess up, but you want to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people that want to fill your bucket, not drain it. Uh, if you mm -hmm. constantly hang around people that are negative and pessimistic and are highly critical of everything you say or do, uh, it will start to erode your own self-belief. Now, with that uh, is not just actual people that you know that are in your inner circle, but you have to be very careful of what you read, what you watch, what you mm -hmm. listen to. You know, yeah. if, if you're putting garbage in, then garbage will come out. That's part of yeah. it. Uh, another part is making sure that you have the courage to be self-aware and that you you look at yourself as much as possible with an unbiased lens and say, okay, here are the things that I'm pretty good at. Uh, here are the things I enjoy doing. Here are my goals. Here are my dreams. But you also have to have the courage to look on the other side of the curtain and say, okay, uh, what things am I not so good at? What are some mm -hmm. of my weaknesses or best opportunities for growth? Um, what are some of my fears and insecurities and be able to look at both of those things and, and have the courage to do so as, as honestly with yourself as possible. And I think when you're really truthful to yourself, um, then you can have very honest dialogue with yourself, which is that self-talk. So this is not about just sitting around, you know, reciting mantras that, Hey, I'm good enough or, Hey, I'm great. <laughs> and I deserve to be successful. You know, that's, that's kind of phony. It's being able to sit down and go, you know what? There are some areas that I struggle. There are some things that I'm insecure about. There mm -hmm. are some definite areas that I'm not very strong in that I really could grow. However, there are some things that I am really good at. There are some things that I do bring to the table. And I think that honesty, um, you know, they, they always say that you can't fool the man in the mirror. And there's a lot of truth to that. So this is not about some, some fake ritualistic mantra where you're just trying to tell yourself that you're great. Uh, this is actually trying to earn that belief. Uh, and then the last thing I'd say is just have a, an awareness of when you start negative self-talk, there needs to be some type of triggering mechanism that you recognize when you start beating yourself up, you know, when you make a mistake, which inevitably you will, as an entrepreneur, you're going to make plenty of mistakes. You're mm -hmm. going to have lapses of judgment, you know, instead yeah. of criticizing yourself, can you actually look at that through a positive lens and go, okay, that was a boneheaded error. Um, I'm going to learn from this and I'm not going to make this mistake again. And that should help improve your confidence. You know, if you look at every mistake that you make as an opportunity to learn and to grow instead of a way of chopping yourself down and eroding your self-belief, then you're moving in the right direction. So I, I guess to kind of unpack that and be a little bit more succinct, uh, be very careful of how you speak to yourself. And notice when you start to become really critical of yourself, uh, develop a high sense of self-awareness where you have a strong appreciation and respect for not only the things that you do well, but you have a very strong understanding of the things that you don't. And then make sure you insulate yourself with people and with material, what you read, watch, listen to of things that will fill your bucket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty amazing. So you are the average of the five people who you surround yourself with. Absolutely. And, uh, and the content is huge as well, because first of all, the things that you read and second of all, what I do, for example, I, I, I love writing down my um, goals, for example, in the morning, because those are the thoughts that I want to put in my mind first thing in the morning, for example. So 
I felt that that is something that helps me with, you know, uh, nurturing a more positive mindset or self-talk maybe, but because those thoughts stay with me throughout the day. And then you you talked about self-awareness and it's also included in your book. And uh, I was wondering, because of course, for everyone, everyone's listening, even to start, you know, talking to yourself to, to have this uh, uh, conversation with yourself, I think first, first step is the self-awareness part, right? So you, you have to become more aware of your thoughts. Um, you know, why am I feeling um, demotivated or something like that? Um, oh, yeah, because I am having these thoughts around, you know, I'm not going to succeed because X, Y, Z. And that's kind of like the the self-talk or or the thoughts that are going uh, through your mind, right? So that's kind of like the self-awareness is the first step. And uh, I was just wondering if you could give people some uh, tips to raise their self-awareness. Absolutely. Well, the first one we just covered. So the first one is kind of doing a self-audit and being able to unpack who you are as a person and coming up with kind of two lists. Mm-hmm. Um, and for reference... I'll just call them positive and negative, although uh, I, I choose not to look at them through that lens. You know, I try to look at all of this as, as unbiased, sterile information. Uh, just because you have a weakness, I don't believe that that is a negative. Every person on the planet has a weakness. Um, and that's one thing that we can't ever forget. Even, even when you see somebody and you know, maybe you, you idolize their, their athletic prowess or you idolize uh, you know, certain areas and things they've accomplished in business – you know, I guarantee you they have other areas of their life um, that you probably don't idolize. They've got just as many weaknesses or issues as, as you. So the very first part is this audit of what am I good at? Uh, what do I love to do? What are my goals? What are my dreams? And, and we'll just call that the positive side. And then on the other side, the, the yin to the yang is where, where are areas that I'm weaker, that I struggle? Where are my best opportunities for growth? What are my fears? What are my insecurities? So that's level one. What is up, Mindset Nation? I hope you guys are enjoying today's episode. And we're going to get back to this conversation very soon after thanking to our sponsors. I'm immensely grateful for each and every one of you who tuned into this podcast today, the Mindset Horizon podcast. And if you feel like you're getting value out of these conversations and want to learn more about mindset, entrepreneurship, or podcasting, or simply you want to hang out with other like-minded listeners, I would highly encourage you to join the Mindset Nation Facebook group, a global community of Mindset Horizon, where I'm there every single day to answer your questions, either if it's connected to the podcast, episode topics, or if it's connected to your goals and aspirations in life and business, I am there to support you for free every single day. On top of all that, I go live every Thursday for at least 30 minutes so that we can get to know each other even more. I can answer your questions or teach you more about mindset, entrepreneurship, content marketing, branding, or podcasting. You can join the Mindset Nation community at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash Mindset Nation. Once again, MindsetHorizon.com forward slash Mindset Nation. Or simply go to our website, MindsetHorizon.com. And in the main menu on the top of the site, you will find a button that says Mindset Nation. And there you can join the global community of like-minded listeners. I'm super excited to welcome you and connect with you in the Facebook group. And until then, be limitless, my friend.
As a mission and impact-driven entrepreneur, thought leader, visionary, and change maker, have you ever thought of increasing your online visibility, building credibility, and scaling your impact and business by starting your own podcast? If you've answered this question with hell yeah, now this is your chance. According to Edison Research in the U.S., podcasting is one of the fastest growing medium. So if you're ready to start your own podcast, build credibility and scale your impact and business, I have good news for you. I provide one-on-one mentoring and group coaching programs where I teach how to start your own epic podcast from scratch, build credibility and scale your online presence and business. You can read more about these services at mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast mentoring. That's again, mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast mentoring. On top of all that, I provide a 30-minute free discovery call where we can see if podcasting is something that can help you scale your brand and business. You can book a free discovery call with me at mindsethorizon.com forward slash free call. That's again, mindsethorizon.com forward slash free call. Or simply shoot me an email at tibor at mindsethorizon.com. That's T-I-B-O-R, tibor at mindsethorizon.com. So Mindset Nation, without any further ado, let's get back to today's Mindset Transforming Conversation. Uh, Level two of self-awareness is being able to make sure that the way you view yourself matches the way that the rest of the world sees you. Mm. And this is not about trying to pander for affection or adoration. It's about uh, being able to make sure that the way you evaluate yourself is in line and in in alignment with the way the rest of the world evaluates you. Uh, using what we talked about earlier about communication and listening. Uh, Let's use that as an example. Uh, So if I were to ask you if you were a good listener and you said, yes, I'm a great listener, and then I ask the five people that know you the best and they all said, oh no, he's an awful listener, that would mean you're lacking self-awareness. You think you're a good listener, but clearly you're not aware of the fact that most people think you are not. Now, what sounds kind of comical is if I asked you if you were a good listener and you said, to be, Alan on a, 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 to be honest, Alan, uh, that's, a, that's a weakness of mine. It's an area that I really need to improve and I need to get better. Uh, and then I asked the five people that know you the best and they agreed and said, yeah, he's not a very good listener. That would actually mean you have very high self-awareness. You are aware of the fact that listening is one of your weak spots, that listening is an opportunity for growth. Uh, So in that regard, while I I would certainly encourage you to work on becoming a better listener, uh, I would have tremendous respect for the fact that that you're aware of that. And that would show very high self-awareness. Um, so it's the same thing with an entrepreneur, you know, if an entrepreneur thinks, you know, that they're, they're a great salesperson because they're so charismatic, um, but they're really not very good at sales. That's a major blind spot. You know, they think they're great at something and they're not. So, um, that's the second level of self-awareness. And then the third is having the emotional intelligence to be able to process your inf- you know process your emotions and your feelings it's having the awareness to say okay you know something happened today at our at our startup and i'm really frustrated right now um, mm-hmm. being aware of the fact that you're frustrated but then being able to dive a little deeper and say okay why am i really frustrated uh, is it because of this thing that happened or is there something deeper to this but then most importantly it's having the awareness to say i'm frustrated that's okay but what is the best response to my frustration that I can, you know, that I can show that will actually improve the situation or make things better? 
So if you're an entrepreneur, um, you ask somebody on your team to, to have a prototype of a product ready by this date and they didn't have it ready. Okay. So you're frustrated, understood. Well, why are you frustrated? Are you really frustrated because they didn't have it ready? Are you frustrated because now you're questioning whether you hired the right person? Uh, are you frustrated because you think this is kind of an act of defiance and because they didn't do it, uh, that maybe they don't respect you? So now you have this insecurity about your your leadership and, and whether or not they respect you. You've got to sit with that. And then lastly is saying, okay, I'm frustrated with this person on my team. What's the best way for me to make this situation better and improve it? Uh, unfortunately, many people just have the default negative uh, re you know, reaction that, you know, mm -hmm. well, I'm going to berate this person. I'm going to yell at them and, and curse them and, 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 you know, threaten to take their job away or threaten to dock their pay. Well, that's probably not going to get you the best response possible. So you need to say, okay, even though I'm frustrated, I'm aware of the fact that showing this person I'm frustrated and acting out of anger right now and lashing out at them is not what's best. And I have the awareness to choose a different route. I have the awareness to say, well, let me communicate my frustration in a way that will be much better well-received. And if you can do those things, if you can do a full self-audit uh, of your good and your bad, if you can make sure that the way you view yourself is the way the rest of the world views you, and you can learn how to have an awareness of your emotions and feelings and regulate those, uh, then you're about as self-aware as one can be. Wow, that's pretty powerful. Three levels. And um, I want to get back to the second level, which is something that just came to my mind. First of all, a quote, which says, I'm not what I think I am. I'm not what you think I am. I am what I think you think I am. I've heard it from, from Jay Shetty first, but actually it was written by a, a writer. I don't remember his name, but it's quite a powerful quote in terms of I remember, you know, in my life for the first time when someone said to me that, hey, Tibor, you have a good character. And I have never thought about, you know, where I didn't know. And I was about 26 years old or something. Actually, it was when I moved out to Germany to work there. Uh -huh. And my, man my manager told me that, right? So that was the view of, of my manager about my personality. And no one ever told me that before. And I was like, huh, do I have a good, you know, character or personality? And so it's really interesting how we, how, you know, others' perceptions can influence our identity, so to speak, or also expand our awareness about ourselves, right? So I think that's really powerful. At that time, I wasn't into personal development or, 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 or anything like that. So if I had done the first level, I, I suppose I might have known about that fact that I have a good character or something like that. Maybe it's not true, but let's assume. <laughs> but you're hitting on so true because, but one of the things that's so important, um, and it was very similar to how I said, sometimes with self-talk, you need to involve the talk of others. What's well, the same thing with self-awareness? Mm -hmm. See, we, we're not... We all have to acknowledge that we have blind spots. We all need to have the humility to say, I need to know that there are things that I don't know. Uh, that's mm. incredibly important. That, that humility keeps you open. Um, but by definition, 
we can't see our blind spots. That's why they're blind spots. So in order to, to do that audit, we need to be willing to ask the people that know us the best and ask us these things, you know, you know, and it could be something somewhat formal, you know, what do you believe my three or four best traits are? Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you believe my three or four best skills are? Uh, What do you think are the three or four areas that I have the most room for growth? What do you think are the three or four areas that are most limiting me right now from being happy and fulfilled and successful and take their input? Um, Because when we do that audit, here's what I'm good at. Here's what I'm not. Here's what I like. Here's what I don't. Here's what I dream about. Here's what I'm insecure about. There are going to be things that we're just simply not aware of. We're not aware of the fact that we're really good at something. Uh, we're not aware of the fact that that we're you know actually really bad at something. And these people can help us see these blind spots. And then once you are aware of it, now is almost like you have this this epiphanal moment that says, "Wow, I, I never thought of myself as being high character, but but I really trust this person, and they said that I'm high character. So let me sit with this a little while. Let me unpack this, and and maybe there's some truth to it. So yeah, that that is incredibly important. Is getting the input of other people, but I can't stress enough. This input is coming from people in your inner circle that you trust, that you know, care about you and respect you and want to see you happy and fulfilled. You know, this is not just randomly picking a Facebook friend and saying, Hey, tell me what you think about me. Cause they don't know. They're not any more privy to your blind spots than you are. So you really have to have a circle of trust of people that you know will give you the real deal. Yeah, I, I'm really glad you've mentioned that because I think it's it's really, really important that you ask people who, who you trust. So that's a really important aspect. And I wanted to get back to, you know, knowing your 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 strengths and, and those traits that you can, I would say, utilize because I'm just passionate about this concept of, you know, figuring out what you're good at. And then doubling down on that, because when it comes to entrepreneurship, for example, if, of course, it's it's really, really helpful to know what your weaknesses are, but you can then outsource them, for example, when it comes to something, I don't know, I don't know, editing podcasts, I just said something, I, I'm not good at editing podcasts, right? So I can outsource that. It's, it's really important to know. But I'm, I'm, I would say I'm, as we are talking about this, I'm more passionate about knowing about the strengths and how can I just double down on that as a person, right? Yes. How do I know? And, and I think that's how I get to the high performing level. I, 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 I was, I was thinking that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that you went in that direction. Cause you know, we also have to give some thought to the difference, um, between certain traits, uh, and then specific skills, you know, by definition, a skill is something that can be improved with purposeful practice. Now, everyone does not have the capacity to be world-class at every skill. Uh, just because you practice, you know, free throw shooting doesn't mean that you'll eventually be one of the best basketball players ever, or just because you practice playing the piano doesn't mean you'll be one of the best piano players ever. However, if you, with purposeful practice, practice free throw shooting or practice the piano, you will get better at those things. Um, but whether or not you'll be world-class uh, has, has a lot of other factors. But and uh, what you just said, this is one of the most important things for entrepreneurs to be able to understand. You know, uh, So the success of your podcast is predicated on several different things. Uh, first and foremost is the quality of the content, um, which is heavily reliant on your ability to find good guests and your ability to ask insightful questions and to carry a conversation, which right now you're doing a brilliant job of. 
Uh, that is incredibly important to the success of the podcast. Thank you. But, but then so is the editing. Uh, so is the ability to market the podcast, to get it in front of people. Those are all things that are important. And for most entrepreneurs, at the very beginning, you have to do all of it. You know, you're, you don't have enough income and revenue uh, to start outsourcing and hiring everyone. However, okay. over time, that's usually a good decision. It would be better for you to say, look, um, for the success of this podcast, I need to spend my personal time working on finding good guests, doing my due diligence to research them, asking them really insightful questions and creating compelling content that listeners will want to listen to. And I want to get so good at that part that I simply don't have the bandwidth or time to also handle the editing. So I'm at a point now where I'm going to outsource that to someone else who does a great job of editing. And then maybe some point you'll outsource the promotion or, or, you know, you hire somebody to help with the social media, you know, who knows, but you say, in order for me to get really good at this, I have to focus on this. And the beautiful part is the person uh, or team that you hire to do the editing, there's a good chance that that's something they're so good at that they will probably do that better than you could do it anyway. So now you become stronger just by outsourcing because you're doubling down on your strengths of finding good guests, doing the due diligence, asking great questions, carrying the conversation, creating compelling content. So you're getting stronger at what it is that you need to be doing while you're outsourcing something to someone else that probably has more expertise in that area. I know that if you put your mind to it and you did some purposeful practice, you could get pretty good at editing a podcast. But every minute that you spend doing that is a minute you're not spending on the core things that you should be spending your time on. And that's where we all have to, as, as leaders and as entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. need to be able to learn how to say no, need to learn how to outsource. And, and I will say from my own experience, the toughest part of that is, is the balance of finding out when. You know, mm -hmm. uh, there's very few entrepreneurs that have the capital right from the beginning to say, well, I'm just going to hire this entire dream team and everybody's going to have one specific role. They're going to be world-class at it. You know, in the beginning, most entrepreneurs, you know, they're developing the product or service. They're selling it. They're also the, you know, they, they wear many hats. So when you get yeah. to that point, uh, it's, it's a, it's a great step to take for your growth and for the success of your business. Wow. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And it's just a great analogy with the podcast <laughs> because it's, it's the case. And I already outsourced, for example, editing, but, uh, again, back to this, you want to focus on, on what, what you're, what you're good at or what you're, you're best at. And I was just wondering, for example, when it comes to world-class athletes or just human beings in general, you know, there's this term talent. So what do you think in order to become world-class at something? Like, do you have to have talent? Because I like to think about the growth mindset, which, which, you know, is my mantra in terms of if I put in the reps, if I put in the work, I can become pretty good at something. But I think a good point is that are you putting in the reps in where you have the core and now I might say talent, but let's say strengths. And, and so you should know what your strengths are and then putting in the reps there, I would say. But how do you think about this? How to become world-class? Well, there's two things to think about. And, and what, what changes the answer is that you said to be world-class at something. There's, there's a difference between trying to be the best and trying to be your best. 
Um, with purposeful practice, everyone can work towards being their best. Uh, but there's so many factors in being, you know, world class. Uh, because I come from the world of of basketball, you know, that's an easy example. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. everyone that practices basketball will have an opportunity to play in the NBA. Uh, and I consider people in the NBA to be world class at what they do. You know, if you just happen to have the genetic predispositions that you're at full grown, you're going to be five foot two and not very strong or athletic. Chances of you making the NBA are are very, very, very slim. Um, so there, there are certainly natural talents that people can possess. And I do believe that everybody has a natural talent or talents in something. The key is being able to figure out what that is. Um, you know, another example, so I'm a professional speaker, um, but I'm not very musically inclined. You know, I, uh, I'm not a very good singer. Um, don't play any musical instruments. Now there is no doubt that if I hired a singing coach and for one year develop, tried to develop my voice and tried to develop the chops for being a better speaker, there is no doubt that I could become not a speaker, a singer. There is no doubt that I could become a better singer than I am currently. No doubt. Yeah. Would I be world class? You know, would, would I be on the you know the same level as a Taylor Swift or a Justin Timberlake or a Justin Bieber? Uh, and the answer simply is no. Um, and 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 I say that with a smile because I'm okay with that. So uh, yes, talent plays a huge role, and there are things that people are genetically predisposed to being better at, uh, even to some degree leadership. I mean, mm-hmm. I think everyone can work to become a more effective leader, no doubt. But not everyone is born with some of the innate um, emotional intelligence, some of the innate charisma. You know, some people are just naturally better leaders. And, and you can see that. I mean, I have three young children. You know, when I would take them to the park and they'd play with other kids, even when they were two or three, you could see kids immediately would just take more of a leadership role. They would decide what the other kids were going to play or they decide what rules or decide who's on whose team. You know, they had had no formal training in leadership when they're two or three years old, but they just had a natural knack for that. And if you take something that you have a natural talent for um, and you combine that with purposeful practice so that you develop the skill, now that's how you become world class. But you absolutely have to have both. But as far as a growth mindset is concerned, it really has nothing to do with being world-class. A growth mindset basically says that I'm not fixed with what I was born with. Mm -hmm. I can absolutely make improvements and learn more and get more skills and practice. And that is 100% true across the board. Any skill that you want to practice, you could get better at. Um, I can't currently juggle, but I promise you if I got a qualified juggling instructor and I practice every day for an hour – one year from now, I would be a much better juggler than I am at present. But that yeah. does not mean that I'm going to be featured in the next Cirque du Soleil or in the next circus because I'm, I might not have the talent to be world-class to do that. And, and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with saying that. So for me, I, I don't really worry about being the best in anything. I just simply put my focus and drive into being my best. I love that. I love this topic. This is this is incredible. I have to say, I would have one more question connected to this. And, sure. you know, my curiosity, I can't help it. <laughs> yeah, by all means. This is fun. Yeah, we talked about this to some extent, self-awareness and, and, and finding your strengths and weaknesses. So when it comes to natural talents, because you've said that, and I want to believe this as well, that people are born with uh, talent or talents. So how do they, what are some ways to find it or to figure out 
what you're talented at? Well, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the environment and the, the, the care provider, you know, for most people, your parents, or if you happen to be raised by someone else, you know, if a, another relative or grandparents or caretaker. Um, but I know now as a father, uh, my goal, since my children have been born is to try to offer as many different opportunities to them as possible. Let them try as many things as they can. Um, I happen to love sports. Um, but I can look back when I was a child, I was very narrowly focused in what I enjoyed doing. All I did were sports. I didn't even give art a try. I didn't give music a try. Uh, I didn't give uh, several things you know, a try. So I don't know if I would have loved those things or I don't know if I would have been pretty good at them. You know, Here at almost 45 years old, I'm not very musically inclined. But who knows, when I was two or three, if I would have been subjected to playing the piano and singing and playing the violin, um, maybe I would have had a little bit of a natural talent for it and, and could have started to develop that. So I think it's so important that we expose children in particular uh, during those very early impressionable years to try as many things as they can and then find the things that they really enjoy, find the things that they're pretty good at. And then encourage them to do those things. And, and this does not mean to uh, discourage a kid from trying something that they're not good at. By all means, that, you know, if a kid uh, is not incredibly athletic or coordinated, but loves playing soccer with their friends, then that should still be supported and encouraged by all means. Um, I think sometimes we get too caught up in this mindset of being world-class and well, clearly you're not going to be a professional soccer player. I can see that at five years old. So there's no point in playing soccer. I think that defeats the purpose. The point of playing soccer is it's fun. You mm -hmm. enjoy it. You get exercise, you make friends. Uh, so those things are really, really important. So this is not about, you know, as parents, uh, how can we find uh, the one or two gifts that our children has that can make them world-class it's about exposing them to as many things as they can, try as many things as possible, support all of it, and then over time, they'll naturally gravitate towards the things that they're, they're better at. And, and that's, that's, I think, the best thing that we can do um, you know, for, for helping people find their specific gifts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a great point. And education came to my mind. So in, in that sense, education is really, really important, especially in the early years so that, you know, you know, those children have the space or, or opportunity to, to, to get aware of those things. Well, uh, we could go for hours, I would say, but I want to be respectful of your time. And uh, so you have written the book and, and many of the topics that we talked about today are included in your book, Raise Your Game, High Performance Secrets from the Best of the Best. And as far as I know, you are working on a, another book, which because the first one is about how to reach peak performance, and the next one is about how to maintain. So, will you talk to us a little bit more about that? Oh, most certainly. No, you you did a brilliant job teeing it up. So, raise your game was what are some strategies and principles and disciplines and mindsets that we all need to become the best we're capable of in whatever we're doing, and for the most part. Most of what's in the book is focused on the balance of, of sports and business. You know, what would one need to be the best athlete or player they could be? What would one need to be the best in their respective business? But these principles have such high utility. They really mm -hmm. apply to any area of life. So if your goal was to be the best violinist, 
raise your game would certainly give you uh, some tips. Uh, but then what I'm fascinated with now is once you've worked to raise your game, how do you keep it there? How do you sustain excellence for long periods of time, not months, but years and in many kind, many times decades? And how do you do so without getting burnt out? Uh, how do you do so without getting stagnant, and just putting on the cruise control? How do you do so when you're fighting the daily stresses that all of us fight? So I've always been really impressed and fascinated um, by longevity, you know, by, by people that have, have done something at an elite level for long periods of time. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about an actor, uh, a musician, uh, an athlete, uh, a business owner. Um, I mean, how does somebody like Warren Buffett stay at the top of his field, you know, for 40 or 50 years? Uh, how is Tom Brady entering his 20th season in the NFL and he's still regarded by many as the best quarterback to ever play the game? You know, how, how has somebody like Al Pacino been making movies longer than I've been alive and still appears to have mastery of his craft? Uh, those are things that really fascinate me. So, um, yeah, Sustain Your Game will come out probably about a year from now, the summer of 2021, and I'm really looking forward to diving in and writing it. Yeah, that's a super exciting topic, to be honest with you. And and I was so passionate came to my mind again, because I think, you know, over time, it becomes stronger. If you're good at something and you keep doing that, and over time, I think it, it becomes stronger, I, I, I think, at least. And, and that's why it's important to stick to someone long enough, you know, to, to cultivate this passion. And Maintaining excellence, it's, it's, it's a huge topic. It's a great topic. And you've mentioned burnout. Um, I'd love to know more about this. So hopefully you will come on the show when you have the book. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd be happy to. <laughs> yeah. And um, I usually ask my guests about, you know, book recommendations besides your books. Do you have anything in mind you would recommend to the listeners? Oh, there's, yeah, there's several. Um, uh, one of the most influential books that I've ever read is, uh, read is Leading with the Heart by Coach K. Uh, it's an older book, but I mean, every word of it's just as true today as it's ever been. Um, for entrepreneurs, there's uh, two other books I'd recommend. One is called Atomic Habits by mm -hmm. James Clear, uh, and the other is called Exactly What to Say by Phil M. Jones, a friend of mine. And it talks about the importance of words and the way that we use words and the way that we can phrase things to be more impactful as communicators uh, and how important words are. So choose them wisely. Um, so there's kind of an oldie and, and two newer books that I, I hope your listeners find helpful. Wow, absolutely. Thanks so much for sharing them. And before I ask my last question, please tell the listeners, what's the best way to connect with you? Oh, well, if they're interested in the book, they can go to raiseyourgamebook.com. Uh, they can also go to allensteinjr.com, and there's a bunch of free resources on both of those sites. Uh, and if they want uh, to continue the discussion and dialogue, they can just follow me at allensteinjr uh, on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. And uh, yeah, if you listen to this and something resonated, please uh, shoot me a DM or hit me up on social. Absolutely. Thanks so much for sharing. And the links are going to be in the show notes and available on our website, mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast. And uh, we tapped into your vision a little bit, but what I want to ask you uh, this, my last question is, what is your mission and what is your future vision? My mission is just to fill other people's buckets. And I'm saying that in air quotes, um, you know, because that may mean something different to other people. But uh, how can I be of service? How can I be of value? Uh, how can I 
how can I add to somebody else's life? What can I do to help them improve their performance in whatever it is that they want to improve in um, so that they feel more fulfilled and happier and, and can raise their game? So uh, I can do that in a variety of different ways. And, and you know, sometimes it's through writing, sometimes it's through speaking, sometimes it's through doing podcasts like this. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that I really realized when this global pandemic hit and it really ceased my ability to speak at live in-person events was, uh, speaking is what I do. It's not who I am at my core. I am a coach and I'm someone that takes a lot of pride in filling other people's buckets. And, and that's really my mission. Um, now that may change form again. You know, I spent 20 years filling people's buckets as a basketball performance coach and now I'm spending my time as a, a keynote speaker and author. 10 years from now, that might pivot again and I might be in a different industry, but I can almost promise you and forecast that whatever industry I'm in at that point, I'll be doing it in service of others and filling people's buckets. Wow, I love that service mindset. Thank you so much for sharing that. And more importantly, Alan, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely, my pleasure. I had a blast. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Mindset Horizon podcast. For more information and resources based on today's discussion, be sure to head to our website, MindsetHorizon.com, where you'll also have the ability to join the Mindset Nation community for more insight and empowerment to help you reach your full potential. That's all available exclusively on MindsetHorizon.com.